Welcome to Shotgun Story, the podcast that has conversations with indie creators about music, meaning, and the point of it all, so that you may be inspired by the journeys of other artists who are doing it for themselves, and maybe gain a little more understanding as to why it matters quite so much that you keep creating. Barry Burke is a filmmaker turned music producer. He creates his magic at the base station in Johannesburg and has recorded some of the hottest indie musicians in South Africa. He also recorded my last album, Shock and Tori and the Hounds. I'm so excited to have him in studio. Hi, Barry. Hi, Tori. Thank you for having me. Pleasure being here. Yeah. Let's start with the very most important question. Yeah. Why music? Uh, why music? Well. You said I was a filmmaker, but music was always my first love from when I was a kid. My first memory of music that we used to have slideshows mm. on a Sunday night, wow. like, you know, in 1970. <laughs> we didn't have television or anything like that um, at the time. And um, he used to play side two of Nashville Skyline by Bob Dylan, mm. which starts with Lay Lady Lay. And he would just play that over and over and over again. And I don't know, a light went on inside of me. Hence, I still have a love of country music because of that beginning. And then I started listening to the radio, like Springbok Request Show. There was that Request Show. Yeah. And started collecting seven singles. It was, yeah, always my first love. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you did it and you chose it. Until my cousin left my collection of seven singles in front of the blow heater and they all warped. Are you still friends with him? Her. Yeah. <laughs> Talk a little bit about your transition from film to music. What happened to spur that? I made a movie called Sleepers Wake, and then it was at that time that I got involved with Laurie Levine, who introduced the two of us. And at the time, I had like a SM58, and I had like a little uh, two-channel sound card that I'd never really used. And we got involved, and I, I started recording her, like just with that... SM58, and it was kind of like when I was a kid. Yeah. It was like a light went on. The more I did, the more hooked and addicted I became to making music and producing it and just never looked back. Never wanted to go back to set. And you never did? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. And the thing about being a director in film or, or television is you spend probably about 90% of your time not being creative. Mm. You're waiting for people, you're waiting for money, you're waiting for the DOP to light the set. You just spend a lot of your life waiting for yeah. stuff. Whereas as a music producer or artist, like 100% of the time you can be creative. And you can, you can wake up in the morning and have an idea and a friend comes over and adds a bit of a guitar lick and boom, you got a song at the end of the day. With film, you have an idea and 15 years later you've, you've still got the script that you can, you know, you can give to your grandchildren if you have them. But um, no, it's just like this slow motion, you know, it's like lava that never really reaches an end point. Whereas music is so immediate. Absolutely. Music is just boom, there, you got it. We got a song, we got a track. It's fantastic, it's immediate. Oh, it's so exciting. So since you started doing music, what are some highlights that you could mention? The beginning of it all was amazing. And then I had written a song which Laurie eventually recorded. Mm. And I showed her the song. She was like, I, this is, I really like the song. And 
one night we were in the studio and she started playing it. Mm. And it was the first time I'd ever heard a song that I had written that was transformative. I, I mean, that moment was, was really, really special. I got goosebumps. <laughs> the feeling of somebody else reflecting you back at you. Yes. And then also, in a sense, I'm an artist in my own right. The moniker's Door Peep. It's a reggae project that I have. Mm. And hearing one of my songs on radio for the first time was obviously incredibly special. Wow, and obviously we're going to play out the, the show with one of those tracks. Yes, not the one that was first on radio. Okay. It's, it's one that was also on radio, but, but later. Wonderful. And then you went on and recorded Josie and Laurie's duo album, didn't you? Yes, yeah. Wonderful. We're going to talk now, now about what um, you've been working on because there's some really exciting things. Okay, cool. So now your ultimate why. What drives you to create? If I'm not creating... I'm depressed. So it's kind of like an antidepressant in a way. Wonderful. But I don't take a pull for it. I just, I need, and even when I was in, in film, it was just the need to be creative all the time. It's just there. I've just always, it's just always, I've just always had it. Who inspires you? At the moment, a guy called Tyler Childers, mm-hmm. country artist, and Miranda Lambert always inspires me. And there's a guy called Ben Lucas Boyson, um, out of Berlin, who creates kind of neoclassical but also synthesizer music. Mm-hmm. There's a ambient artist called Loskill. Yeah. And I would say those four, I mean, just, yeah, right now, off the top of my head, those four really inspire me. Wonderful. Well, we've created a Spotify playlist for the show. Okay. And so I'm going to get those names and you can help me choose a song from each of them so anyone listening who's interested can go check out the playlist fantastic cool yeah. for maybe non-musicians or young musicians who've not made an album what does it look like the recording process from beginning to end the beginning of the recording process doesn't happen in the studio mm. it happens in all y'all's heads <laughs> and you guys gotta write a song yeah first of all in my studio the way it works is we track because I don't have enough channels to have, say, 12 microphones on the on the drum kit and then three on a guitar amp and then bass and vocals. So basically how, how it happens, the artist will come in, we'll do a guide track, which will just be a voice and a guitar, and then we just go step by step, generally lay it on the guitars mm. and then do a vocal take and then bring the drummer in and the bassist, although there's... There's always kind of a battle between the two as to who should go first, whether the drummer should follow the bassist or the bassist should follow the drummer. And then generally there'll there'll be another vocal take at the end of it all. Although what I do find is that is first vocal takes, those first two vocal takes, a lot of the time are the takes that get on the record. Yeah. And then what next? What happens with the song once you've moved to that point? So then once everything is there, then what I do is I start mixing. And basically what I do is I root... The drums through distressor compressors, mm. that's what they're called. I'll route the bass through an 1176 compressor, and then everything else goes through an API 2500 compressor. Mm. And by doing that, what happens is because they all have their own sonic characteristics, there's just much more space in the music. Mm. The picture becomes much bigger and has much more depth. Then there's mixing and more mixing and more mixing, and if there's no deadline, then... You can you just don't ever stop mixing. <laughs> so then they mix down, send it to the artist, get notes, and then it goes for mastering. And then you put out your record. Okay, so my favorite thing about music is collaboration. 
Have you witnessed any particularly magic collaborations in your studio? I haven't done that many collabs, but the one between Laurie and Josie was very special because the first album we did was just them covering earlier songs from their own albums. Yeah. Um, that was one of the very first things I ever recorded. And then we started the second one and they started doing a song called I've Been Walking that I had kind of worked with Laurie on and I'd heard the song about 18 million times and recorded it and mixed it about 18 million times. Mm. And I just said to them, they had played me a track that they had written while they were on tour about being on the road. And I just said, why don't you just write an album? Just mm. write fresh material, you know, the two of you. And within three weeks, they'd written another nine songs. Wow. And they'd go away and the next morning they'd come in and they had written some of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. And watching the chemistry between the two of them was astonishing. Yeah, that collaboration was incredibly special. And then just recently, I've been working on Jacques Moulman's solo record. Mm. There's one song called Wondrous Thing, but the radio version has Arno Carstens on it. So it's kind of call and response with Jacques Moulman and Arno Carstens. I didn't record Arno, he was recorded in Cape Town. But that track is very special. It was oh. very, very special to work on that. I can't wait to hear that. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the difficult things now. <laughs> <laughs> the real things. What are some of the challenges do you reckon that musicians today are facing? Well, nobody pays for music anymore. Mm. I've just kind of got into getting onto my phone or my iPod and so you just click get, mm. right, if you're in iTunes store and then you click download. Mm. So you can download any music you want and have it at your disposal all the time. I don't even know if... Do those count as streams? Like if somebody downloads it every time you play it, does, does Apple Music know that you're streaming it, that you're playing it again? So nobody is playing for music. Mm. Kind of the days when, you know, like Fleetwood Mac would record rumors and then just sit back and do drugs in California, in Laurel Canyon, and watch the proceeds from 30 million sales just yeah. roll in. Those days are gone. Yeah. And I think you're kind of going to ask this mm. But where music is going for artists is that performance, live performance mm. and merch, but mostly live performance is where you will make your money. It's the only place you can make your money. In a sense, we've become like musicians were in Elizabethan times. Yeah. You go from village to village, you put your hat in, in the square and you sing your heart out and play your heart out and hopefully people give you money. Yeah. In a sense, I think musicians have to be itinerant musicians again. Which then brings me to the fact that I think, which we've discussed, yeah. the notion of the show and what the show has to mean now. Yeah. And it just being you pitching up on stage and playing your songs, I think those days need to be behind us. I think what every show has to have the quality of an event. Mm. And I think that's how we'll get people to watch the shows and that's how we'll get people to pay to watch the shows. Mm. And then also they buy CDs after watching shows. It's kind of the only place you, you ever sell. Because they've had a good time. They've had a good time and they see this, you know, it's nostalgic. Let's buy a CD. Although most people I know don't have CD players anymore. So No, they don't. I don't even have a way to play CDs anymore. Not even in your computer? No. Apple no longer makes a Yeah, I know. Drive. I've got the, the drive. Yeah, no. The external thingy. It's more than frustrating. And I mean, the question is, how do we get people to value music again? The age-old question, if you knew that, you'd earn the big bucks, right? I guess. The other thing is, it's much easier to make music now. Yes. Right? Back in the day, 
you had to book studio time, which was enormously expensive. And you had to, you know, you record it to tape. Now you record to hard drive. So you can do a million takes of something. Mm. Back in the day, you only, you know, the more tape you used, the more money you owed. So it was almost more valuable then. When I grew up, you kind of knew, if you were really interested in music, you kind of knew everybody yeah. that was out there, you know, pretty much. Yeah. Now, it's like I look at, like I'm on Tidal, and I look at the new releases for the day, like yeah. not even the week, yeah. the day. And I don't know, you know maybe 95% of these artists I've never heard of. It's like an ocean of artists. And just to get your head up above the ocean so people notice you is an incredibly difficult thing. I think yeah. it just is. And it's something we discussed. I think what's really important is that you just cultivate your community your 100 500 1000 fans yeah and that dedicated fan base it can grow it can grow but i think the beginning point is finding them mm. isolating them figuring out who they are getting all music to them and then hopefully it, it blossoms and it becomes something much bigger the other thing is whatever you do i think must be intrinsic to you it must come from you it must be a totally honest reaction to yourself and a totally honest expression because only you can sound like you you know what i mean if you're in a band and you're like okay we're gonna try and sound like 21 pilots mm. you might sound like them but you'll never be as good as them because they're just much better at being who they are absolutely yeah that's a good piece of advice actually honesty honesty and expression i think is it's essential I agree, a thousand percent. <laughs> no, you do. <laughs> so, after the year that we've had, after this 2020, how have you been impacted by COVID? The way I was impacted by COVID was the fact that there weren't any gigs. Mm. And as a producer, and especially kind of as a sort of a fledgling producer, you go to gigs and you meet people. Mm. And you say, I thought your set was amazing. And uh, are you recording? And they've got friends who, uh, oh, no, maybe, you know, that's how you connect yeah. with musicians a lot of the time. Because we just didn't have gigs, that dried up. Mm. That kind of fresh new talent just wasn't coming through. Mm. For the first couple of months, I had quite a lot of mixing work to do, um, which was great. And then for a couple of months, everything dried up quite a lot. Mm. And then things picked up again. But mostly with artists I know. So I think a lot of artists had this kind of, there was like a dip and then their creative output dipped with that, but then it picked up again. And now I'm very busy at the moment. Wonderful. And I know because you love music and you listen to a lot of it, this is going to be either a really easy or a really hard question. What is a song that you wish that you had produced? I can't say one song because I'm like, I'm a dinosaur. So I listen to albums. I uh -huh. listen to whole records. I don't, I don't have playlists where I drag and drop my favorite songs. I can't do that. But there are two records, just in terms of the production. One is by a guy, jazz artist with ECM Records called Anwar Ibrahim. Mm -hmm. He's got an album called The Astounding Eyes of Rita. Yeah. If I could have produced that, I, uh, you know, I could die. I would die happy. And the other one is Paul Simon's album Stranger to Stranger, which, yeah, is absolutely astonishing. Those two. Wonderful. I'm going to put those on the playlist. Especially the song Stranger to Stranger, the title track from the Paul Simon album. I'm going to go and listen to that, in fact, when I leave here. And what's incredible is he made the album, I think it, he was like 74 or something, when he recorded the record. Wow. Man's amazing. And it just sounds so current and young and vital 
and of now. Now, in light of all of the above, the challenges, the year, the things that we love, what advice would you have for indie artists, either starting out or who you want to encourage to keep going? Well, what I said earlier about maintaining an honesty with yourself mm. and that informing what you write, what I would say is always be doing something new yeah, and always be working on your craft. So if you've got half an hour, pick up your time, do scales, mm. practice your picking. If you've got an hour, challenge yourself to two verses and a chorus yeah. for a song. Just keep doing it. Always be busy because the more you do it, the better you get at it. Especially because live now is so important. The skill you show as a vocalist, but especially as a musician, mm -hmm. is essential. It's essential. Practice, practice, practice. If you're a singer, practice your scales. Don't just think you can just go on, you know, and, you know, hit every note perfectly. You can't. Yeah. But the more you practice, the better you'll get at it. And it's about live. What, what you present must be astounding. It must be, a, it must be amazing for people to watch. And remember the lyrics you write as well. <laughs> do you see that a lot, people forgetting their own lyrics? No, no, not <laughs> a lot. But people do. People do. No, no, no jokes. How can people get in touch with you? 083-303-6771. B-C-B-E-R-K at W-O-L.co.za. And any social media links? Thebasestation.co.za. Okay, I mean, that's a website, a proper website. It's a, but it's down at the moment because for some reason, I can't, it's like a security, there's like some DNS numbers. I can't, no, no. So I'm, I'm trying to get that sorted out. Your socials, Instagram, Facebook? There is an Instagram account. Yeah. I'm going to put links to all these things here. So I'm going to get onto it. I'm going to get onto the whole posting and stuff. I'm going to actually end off the interview with a different question. Okay. Who is your favorite South African artist? No, I don't know. No. No, you can't. No, you can't have a favorite. It's like uh, it's like picking a favorite child. Yeah. Okay. Not that I know what that would feel like, but it's you can't have a favorite child. Okay. <laughs> Unless you're watching Succession or The Crown. I have not watched either of those. Oh. Good. Okay. I, I mean, I like that. I like that you've said that, and I suppose working with South African artists, you can't be seen to prefer anyone. And also the thing, I mean, it's interesting. I can, somebody will come in and we'll do a song and initially I'm like, mm, don't know. And then the more you play with it and mix it, I don't know, I just, I kind of end up loving pretty much every, you know, every song I do. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for coming in and chatting. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you are an indie artist whose passion for what you do can inspire or fuel others, get in touch. I'd love to chat. You can find me on Instagram at ShotgunToy. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.
The dark of the 